Welcome to the Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast, where you will hear transformational stories, positive encouragement, and practical strategies to help you grow your mindset, reach your potential, live your dreams, and experience a purpose-driven, impact-filled life. Here's your host, Alan Blaine. Okay, this is Alan Blaine, and I am fired up to bring you another solo episode where I will share another high-performance success tip with you that will be instrumental in your success. If you are a regular listener, you know that typically on this Life's Hard Succeed Anyway podcast, I interview successful people who have faced adversity in life, yet they are succeeding anyway. And we've had some phenomenal guests with some exceptional stories and mountains of wisdom that have been shared already on this first 24 episodes. And next week's interview with the real Jason Duncan will be no exception. I promise you that. However, today I have another special treat in store for you. This is one of the periodic episodes where I bring you my very best success tips that have helped me to not only survive many life challenges, but more importantly, to thrive in the midst of them. And in this context of business and entrepreneurship, these principles have helped me, along with my bride, Nicole, build an international company with 10,000 members in our organization and growing each month, doing millions of dollars of revenue each year, all with no payroll from the comfort of our home or wherever in the world we may find ourselves. So all that to say, what I will be sharing with you is not based just on theory. These seven Bible-based success principles are what we have implemented in our business to have now had the success that we've enjoyed since launching it eight years ago down. By the way, if you'd like to hear more of my life's hard story, check out episode one. And if you'd like to hear my recent interview with my wife of now 30 years, Nicole, and some of her challenges, hint, hint, some involve being married to me, check out episode 23. Did you know that all great personal growth and development principles can be traced back to the Bible? I had someone tell me the other day that a book called Think and Grow Rich was the greatest personal growth and development book ever written. I beg to differ. Every single personal growth principle that I have ever heard, learned, or discovered can be traced back to the Bible. So, Although this is not labeled as a Christian podcast, because I personally am a follower of Jesus Christ and because I believe the Bible is the infallible, inerrant word of God, I feel like you, our listeners, tuning in each week who are desiring to succeed in life and business, deserve to hear these seven principles directly from the source. And I feel I'd be negligent in my duties if I didn't share with you the source my success has come from, and where the best personal development information ever written can be found. I will warn you that I am an amateur Bible scholar here, but I will do my best to share with you what I have learned as I share with you these seven Bible-based success principles, being extremely confident of this one thing. If you'll implement these principles, you are sure to level up your business and your life. That I can confidently tell you. So whether you're a Bible-believing man or woman of faith or not, I am confident that these are going to be a benefit to you. And that is why I share them. I will first share with you what these seven principles are, and then we'll briefly break down each one, one by one. So number one, have a plan. Number two, 
relationships first. Number three, how to work. Number four, the goal of our work. Number five, making use of your talents. Number six, committing to growth. And number seven, don't quit. So let's jump in. Number one, how to plan. Proverbs 21.5 tells us that the plans of the diligent certainly lead to profit. But anyone who is reckless, some translations say anyone who is hasty, certainly becomes poor. So the first thing we see here is to have a plan. It says the plans of the diligent certainly lead to profit. Without a plan, without a roadmap, hey, any road will get us there. But the question we must ask ourselves is, where is there? Where are we going? Right? We need to have a plan. Can you imagine building a house without a plan, without a blueprint, just starting to put lumber together and see what shape it might take on its own? Not a super solid plan, right? To not have a plan is not a good plan. So we must have a plan. The plans of the diligent certainly lead to profit, but anyone who is reckless or hasty certainly becomes poor. Speed is great. And many contexts, success loves speed. But at the same time, to get so hasty and be so reckless to conduct our lives or our businesses without a plan, without really knowing where we're going, not very wise. We've got another passage in Proverbs 29, 18 that says, without a vision, the people perish. And I just think developing a plan to fit your vision, yes, a business plan, the vision for your business, but even more importantly, the vision for your life and how that business fits into the vision for your life and kind of reverse engineering what that plan is going to be. We must be intentional with our plans. You know, another Proverbs 16.3 says, commit your activities or said another way, commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. You know, even this passage, when you read it, it's presumptive that we have a plan says, commit your activities to the Lord and your plans will be established. So we have a plan and this passage lets us know that we need to be committing that plan to God, holding it up to him, submitting it before him to guide us, allowing him to direct us, even change the plan as needed, and obviously to bless the plan if he chooses. One of my favorite passages on this whole topic of thinking about planning and the need to have a plan comes from another proverb, Proverbs chapter three, verses five and six, that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Another translation would say, and he will make your paths straight. Hey, I don't know about you, but I know the shortest distance from point A to point B is a straight line. And I would love to have my path made straight if at all possible, right? And not winding around here and there, not covering 10 miles to go one mile as a crow flies. So I like that passage a whole, whole lot. So principle number one, we covered have a plan. Okay. Do you have a plan? If not, let's get it written down. Let's have a plan. And plans can be adjusted. Plans can be changed. Number two, how to treat people. Said another way, relationships first. We read in Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4, it says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others 
as more important than yourselves. So we see right here in this passage, the second principle is, hey, relationships are first and we're to consider others' needs, their desires, their wants greater than our own. This is at the heart, this passage, this idea, this concept, I guess, if you will, it is at the heart of everything, everything I desire to do personally and professionally. And it's at the heartbeat of everything that I teach and train and coach in business. You know, in business, we should always be thinking from our customer or our client's perspective, what's in it for them? What's in their best interest? What is it they need, want, and desire to get out of this relationship or this transaction, whatever the case may be? It says, do nothing out of conceit. We live in a selfish, conceited society, don't we? We're a society that is obsessed with self. Selfies, Snapchat, magazines named Self Magazine, the idea of following your heart. I mean, it's everywhere we turn. It's all about self, but that's not a biblical principle. The biblical principle here in Philippians 2 and other places throughout scripture is others' best interest ahead of our own. This is really unnatural. Left to our own devices, this is really, really unnatural. You can see it in life when, if you've ever met a salesperson who you could tell was just in it for them. I mean, they really, really just wanted to make the sale. It was all about what they could get out of the deal. What's in it for them? What was in their best interest? They were not excited about your problems or solving your situation or what was in your or my best interest. It was all about them. And that is the opposite of a biblical success principle. And I'll tell you what, these success principles, straight out of God's word, they work because it's the way God set up the world. So principle number two, how do we treat people? We put relationships first. We put others' needs ahead of our own and use that as a guiding principle in everything we do, personally and professionally, if we want to maximize our success in business and in life. And quite frankly, if we want to maximize our satisfaction in what we're doing. Number three, how to work. Colossians 3, 23 and 24 tell us, whatever you do, do it from the heart. Some translations will say, do it wholeheartedly as something done for the Lord and not for people, knowing that you will receive the reward of inheritance. What's the principle here of how we should work? The principle is not to be doing our work just to please people. We should be doing our work for a greater purpose. The context here is we're doing our work for the Lord, to please the Lord, not to please other people. We should desire pleasing God even more than we enjoy people's positive feedback and making people smile. But I'll tell you what, if we're doing things for the right motives and the right reason, we're putting others first, we're doing our work as unto the Lord, we are going to be putting smiles on people's faces. And we are going to be receiving positive feedback because that means we're doing our work for the right reasons. And it's going to show in the way we carry ourselves, in our demeanor, in our communication, verbal and nonverbal. You know, this podcast doesn't advertise anything. It doesn't sell anything or promote anything. But I do it because I felt when I started this and still feel this way that I was supposed to do it. 
to reach and encourage people with this needed message of belief and hope that others succeeded anyway, despite their obstacles in life, personally or professionally, and using that as a way to encourage so many other people that look at others with success and they don't see all the challenges, all the struggles, all the growth, all the adversity that those people had to go through. And here's a newsflash and are still going through to enjoy the success that they're enjoying. So I work heartily for the Lord and hopefully not for men. I do this for people, of course, but my ultimate purpose is to do it for the Lord. When you work that way, you also get the rewards of working that way. As I mentioned just a moment ago, when we're doing things for the right reasons, we get to reap the fruit of that. So principle number three, how to work in everything we do, do it as unto the Lord, not just to please people is principle number three. Principle number four, the goal of our work. And for that matter, the goal of our lives. We read this in Matthew 5, verse 16. It says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good work and glorify your father in heaven. I see very clearly here that the ultimate goal of our work, at least speaking for myself as a Bible-believing Christian, should be to glorify God and point others to him. The ultimate goal of our work and our lives is not to shine the spotlight on ourselves. The ultimate goal of our work and our lives is not fame. It's not glory. It's not the number of likes or comments or followers or the amount of money we amass in our lifetime, all of that is going to pass away. None of that is going to be taken with us. The ultimate goal of our work in our lives, whether we acknowledge that or not, this side of eternity is to let our light shine before men so that we can bring glory to God, our Father. Principle number four. That brings us to principle number five, making good use of your talents. This is the parable of the talents. I love this story. I love this parable that was told in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 29. This is a story about a master who called his servants and wanted to entrust his possessions to them. He had three different servants in the story. To the first servant, he gave five talents. So back then, talents was a unit of currency, money, if you will. This parable can also be referencing our literal talents, our skills, our abilities, our opportunities that God has placed in our lap and given to us. So it works both ways. And that's why I think I like this so much. It deals with how we invest our money, but it also deals with how we invest our time and talents. So to the first of the three servants, the master gave five talents. To the second, he gave two. And to the other, he gave one. In verse 15, it says, depending on each one's ability. And then he went on a journey. It says, immediately, the man who had received five talents went and put them to work and doubled the master's money. He earned five more, it says. In the same way, the man with two that had been given two earned two more. But the man who had received just one talent dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, it says, the master of those servants returned to settle accounts with them. And the man who had received the five talents approached and presented five more for a total of 10. And the master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. 
Then the man with two talents also approached him and he presented the master with his two additional talents for a total of four and let him know what he had done. And the master said the same thing to him. Well done, good and faithful servant. The man who had received just one talent also approached the master and he said, hey, I know you're a harsh man and I was afraid. And I went off and I hid your talent in the ground. See, here's your one talent back. And the master replied, you lazy servant, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10. For to everyone who has more will be given and he will have more than enough. But from the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. So what's the principle here? The principle is to make good use of the talents that we have been given. And each and every one of us is made differently. And each one of us is given different talents, different gifts, different abilities, different opportunities, and in differing amounts. What we see in this passage, though, what we can learn from it is the two diligent servants, the ones that made good use of their talents, it says, After the master went on a journey, verse 15, it says, immediately the man who had five talents went and put them to work. And then the man who had two did likewise. So immediately the diligent ones invested their talents wisely. Says after a long time, the master returned. And if you notice, he gave the exact same recognition to the five talent guy that had turned it into 10 as he did to the two talent guy that had turned it into four. Exact same recognition. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. So the question is for you and for me is not how many talents we end up with, not how much money we amass or how much impact we make in our short time on earth here, but a couple questions I see here. How many talents has God given you? Are you a five talent guy? Or a five-talent girl, you have four-talent, a three-talent, a two-talent, a one-talent. But even the more important question is, what are you going to do with your one-talent if you're a one-talent gal or a one-talent guy or your two or your three or your four or your five, some of you? What are you going to do with it? I may only be a three-talent guy or a two-talent guy. Heck, I might be a one-talent guy. I guess none of us will ever know from God's perspective, at least this side of eternity. But once I understood this principle of being a good steward of the talents I had been entrusted with, when I really wrapped my head around this eight years ago and committed to giving back to God and maximizing my talents, turning my two into four or my three into six or whatever the case may be with an eternal, for me, kingdom mindset, an eternal perspective, it changed everything in business and in life for me. You notice here, the one talent guy, what he said to his master was, I was afraid. Are you afraid? Are you afraid and playing it safe in life? Because when we're afraid, we typically will play it safe and you can't get any safer than playing life or business not to lose. Nobody wins a game playing not to lose. You have to play the game to win. Have you ever been afraid? Maybe you're playing not to lose. Maybe you feel you're capable of more. Maybe this episode is the perfect timing because you feel you're called to more. 
You're called to more in your health. You're called to more in your marriage. You're called to more in your relationships outside of your marriage. You're called to more impact. You're called to more significance in other people's lives. You're called to more in business or in whatever other area, spiritually. You're called to more. Maybe you're feeling that way. You feel you're capable of more. You feel that you're like the one talent guy or the one talent girl. You're burying your talent because of fear, because of playing it safe. You're not maximizing the gifts, the talents, the abilities. And I love to add to that list opportunities that God has given you, that's placed before you. You know, not everyone in history was or will be born in such a time as this. We have the opportunities before us with technology, with other things that other generations didn't have. And the question is, what are we doing with it? Have you been scared and afraid and just buried your talent in the ground? Has fear paralyzed you maybe? We either use it or we lose it. The timer is counting down on our time here on earth. We need to maximize the talents. Even just talking about this again, just really excites me, really fires me up to up my game, to play bigger, to play more courageously, to punch fear in the face. Those things that are holding me back from investing my talents better. How many talents have you been given? Are you being a good steward of them? Maybe some of you may say, well, Alan, it's too late for me. I've already wasted 40 years. I'm 40 years old, or you're 50, or you're 60, maybe you're 70 or 80. Get this, it doesn't matter what age you are. God didn't even put Moses to work until he was 80 years old when he led the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery. Tell you what, it is never, ever too late to start being a good investor of your time, talent, skills, and abilities to become relationship rich. There are plenty of things knocking us around, beating us up, punching us in the face, trying to cause fear and insecurities in our lives. Again, just thinking on this just gets me excited. And I hope this is getting you excited to maximize your life. You know, I think about if I don't get taken tragically, there will come a point at the end of my life where I'll get an opportunity, possibly, possibly, we're not guaranteed of this, to sit on a rocking chair, maybe literally, maybe figuratively speaking, as the sun is setting on my life and reflect back on my life, however many years that may be. And I'll be able to think about what that dash on my tombstone is going to represent. You know, the dash between the year I was born, 1972, and the year that I take my last breath. What is that going to represent in your life? Is it going to represent a good use of your talents, a good investment of your time and opportunities or not? And if at this point in your life, it's an or not, today is the day to change that forever. I am committed to maximizing my talents. How about you? Moving on. Number six of seven is commit to growth. Did you know personal growth and development was in the Bible? It's right here in Romans 12, 2. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This is a small verse with massive, massive implications. It says, do not be conformed to this world. You know, we start this process of conforming as a young child. By school age, 
because of the harsh comments that children will make to each other, children start conforming strongly, even in elementary school. And it gets stronger and stronger, moving closer towards middle school. And what do we see in children? Eventually, all kids dress alike. All kids talk alike. All kids act alike. And I know all is a big word, but generally speaking, we see this, right? We see this common theme. Why? It's conformity. And it's just as strong in adults. In fact, we saw it on an even greater scale over the last couple years with this whole cancel culture movement. You know, there's a lot pulling at us to conform to the world around us, but we're told right here, the very opener of the second verse of Romans 12, do not be conformed to this world. And we're not just told what not to do. We're told what to do in order to not be conformed. It goes on to say, how? By the renewing of your mind, do not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's that personal development. It's an active participation sport, if you will. We are involved in that process. Yes, those of us that believe and trust and have faith in God's word, God's word is a huge part of it. In fact, it's the context of this verse to renew our minds in God's word. But the same principle applies to renew our minds, to daily be taking in positive, helpful, constructive, invigorating, inspiring, encouraging information that's going to help us push back against the negativity and the things coming at us every single day that want to conform us to this world, to the world's stinking thinking, to the world's seeing the glass half empty, to the world's negativity, to the world's fear mongering. I just love the visual that God gave us of a caterpillar. And and there's others, but I think of the caterpillar when I start thinking about transformation and the process that caterpillar goes through to become a beautiful butterfly. I mean, what a great analogy of someone transforming and fulfilling their potential by going through several difficult stages. As a side note, transformation takes place over our lifetime. It never stops. It's not just a one moment in time thing. Yes, God can transform a person in a moment in time at a heart level, at a soul level, but the transformation that takes place as we grow in so many of these things that are in this area of our talent, skills, abilities, and mindsets doesn't just happen in a day. Just like the caterpillar doesn't turn into a butterfly in a day. It becomes a pupa. It goes through this life and death struggle. The pupa dies to become a chrysalis, a cocoon, if you will. And it must struggle. That butterfly must struggle and press and work and push and pushes its wings and struggles to break free of that chrysalis and becomes a beautiful butterfly that we all admire. It achieves freedom and beauty, but it had to go through that process, that growth, that development process. Why am I doing this podcast? One of the big driving reasons behind me doing this podcast is to do just some of that, even if it's just a little part of that for you, to combat some of that negative stimulus that we're all being bombarded with. We can limit the amount of negative stimulus from turning off the news and really guarding what goes in our eyes and what goes in our ears and who we surround ourselves with. But we cannot avoid all negative stimulus in this world altogether. 
And that is why it is so important daily, consistently renewing our minds with positive, helpful things that I hope this podcast is some small part, maybe a large part for some of you of doing for you. It says the purpose of renewing our mind is that we may prove what is that good and acceptable will of God to live that out, to walk that out, our life's purpose. Did you know, I've heard this, I haven't verified it, but the most asked spiritual question on Google is, what is God's will for my life? Hey, if you want to know God's will for your life, if you want to know your purpose, and everybody wants to know this, we all do. I've got a really important message for you. God knows it. He created you. He created you. Jeremiah 29 and 11, I believe says, he has great plans for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans for good, not for evil. There is a purpose tailor-made for you. The gifts, the talents, the abilities you've been created with were tailor-made for you by God Almighty. And he said, go, be a good steward of these things. But by the way, Make sure you're renewing your mind so that it can be transformed like that caterpillar to a butterfly so that you can prove what is good and acceptable. What is the will of God? It's a daily process. Let's not neglect this number six, renewing our mind, committing to growth daily, number six. All right, number seven, the final one, don't quit. Did you know don't quit is in the Bible? Galatians 6, 7, 9, and 10 says, Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Let us not grow tired of doing good, or let us not grow weary, some translations say, of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all people. So this is the principle of reaping and sowing. We reap what we sow. Notice it says, in due time. In our world today, We want instant success, whether it's crypto, we want a million followers in 30 days. I mean, headlines and titles and book titles and course titles and you name it are there to try to trigger us to get something instantaneously. It's that microwave society. But that's not the way God set up the world. That's not the principles he set up. Starts off here in verse seven saying, don't be deceived. Don't be misled. Don't be tricked. Yes. Some people have, quote, instant success. It does happen. Some people do win the lotto, although I don't define that as success. Some people do have their businesses blow up, quote, unquote, overnight. But don't be deceived. You can't make a mockery of the principles God put in place. Whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. If you treat people right in business and you do good marketing and good follow-up and follow-through, care more about others than ourselves. we're diligent to work. People want to reap what they didn't sow. They want that instant success. Doesn't work that way. If you do good work, it pays off. It also goes on to say, hey, don't get tired. Don't grow weary of doing good. We all can get weary, can't we? Have you ever been weary? I have multiple times. But it says, don't grow weary of doing good. Keep doing good. Don't lose heart. Don't quit. Be relentless in doing good. It says, as we have opportunity, let's work for the good of all. Keep doing good, keep reaping. And in due time, it says we will reap, not we might. It says we will reap if we don't grow weary and quit. So I hope this encourages you. Keep sowing the good stuff. Keep sowing the good stuff into your family. Keep sowing the good stuff into your body. 
Keep sowing the good stuff into others, into your business, into relationships, into growing your mindset, into your network, into your finances, and so on. There's so much good stuff in here. I wish we had more time to unpack more of it, but I hope this has been helpful for you. I can tell you this all works because it's how God set up the world. These are principles he put in place. They're not my principles. They're his principles, and they flat out work. I'd love to hear from you. What are some other success principles that we could add to this list of seven? There's plenty of others. These were just seven of my favorites. I'd love to hear from you. Will you send me an email and maybe share one or more other success principles that you have found helpful to you? And while you're at it, I would love to know what other high-performance success tip topics you may want to hear me cover in future solo episodes like this that I do periodically. You can email me at alan at alanblaine.com. That's A-L-L-A-N at a double L A N Blaine B L A I N as in Nora.com. Lastly, the greatest compliment I could ever receive for bringing this podcast to you is for you to share it with others that you feel could benefit and would be blessed by hearing these incredible stories of other successful people that have overcome their life's hard situations and are continuing to, and yet they're succeeding anyway. Thank you so much for sharing the podcast. It really means the world to me, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Same time, same place. Talk to you soon. Have a great day. If you love this podcast, grab some of Alan's free resources on his website at alanblain.com, spelled A-L-L-A-N-B-L-A-I-N.com. You can also find links to Alan's Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok there in his contacts page. Lastly, if you can leave a five-star review for us on your favorite podcast app, that will get these messages out to more people and it will really mean the world to us. Thanks in advance and make it a great day.